0: Read and hear more about important news and policy issues at ncpolicywatch.com. This is News and Views. Welcome back to News and Views. I'm Rob Schofield. The recent procedural decision of the U.S. Supreme Court to allow a Texas anti-abortion law to remain in effect, at least for the near term, sent a new and troubling signal that reproductive freedom in our nation is hanging by a thread. The news also spurred new calls for Congress to act to assure that all American women have access to basic reproductive health care. Earlier this week, I caught up with a top expert on the subject of women's access to reproductive health care around the globe, Dr. Anu Kumar of the triangle-based nonprofit iPass. And as Kumar told me, the new Texas law has hugely worrisome implications, not just for abortion rights, but for civil rights more generally, and ultimately, whether the U.S. will remain a nation of laws or one in which vigilante justice rules the day. Well, Dr. Anu Kumar, welcome back to News and Views. Thanks so much for being with us. Thanks for having me. We've talked a lot about the efforts of IPAS to help women in other parts of the globe, particularly in developing countries, uh, to get access to reproductive health care, contraception, abortion, and questions surrounding really what the U.S. government can and should do to help them. But now, however, with the recent action in Texas by their uh, legislature and governor uh, limiting access to abortion, really, this has become a domestic discussion to a large extent. Can you sort of fill us in on what the heck is happening in Texas, what this new law would do?
1: Sure. I mean, so first of all, you know, I think maybe many Americans are just are shocked and surprised about what's happened in Texas. But for those of us who've been paying attention to this issue, we have been aware of these uh, issues for decades now. So, you know, the the right wing in this country has been trying to erode Roe v. Wade probably since around 1979. Not, I wouldn't say right immediately after Roe was passed, but pretty quickly afterwards. And so they've tried many different ways of restricting access to abortion. And this one, this one in Texas is in a sense, the perfect combination of the law meets the right judges and they have success uh, in, in this, in this situation. So what the law says is that women who are pregnant and want to wish and want to end their pregnancy cannot do so after cardiac activity is detected. And that is typically around six weeks. So it's not a hard and fast six weeks, but it's around six weeks. And then after that, there is essentially no ability for a woman to end a pregnancy, even for instances of rape or incest. And most egregious of all is that uh, it then allows those that are uh, associated with the provision of the abortion. So not the, not the person who's getting the abortion themselves, but those that are, you know, maybe supporting that person, certainly abortion providers, nurses, uh, you know, anyone involved in clinical care, but also a- attending, you know, people who are in the, in the circle outside of support, um, perhaps drivers or those that are providing financial resources. those people can also be prosecuted under this law. And they can be reported on, you know, they can be reported by anyone, anyone in the community, not necessarily anyone that's connected to the person having an abortion, but anyone in the community can report on another person. So this is what activists are calling vigilantism. This is sort of putting a bounty on people's head because there's actually a $10,000 fine then that's imposed if you are found guilty. And if you're a provider and you are found guilty, not only do you pay the ten thousand dollar fine? You pay the court costs for the for those that have sued you, and you lose your license. The state can shut you down. So there are extreme punitive measures in place for the enforcement of this law, and it's very clever. It's a very cleverly constructed law because if they had proposed this, what essentially amounts to a six week ban on abortion, if this has been proposed. Where the state of Texas is enforcing the law, then it would have been found unconstitutional, and they know it. And so they instead they wrote it in such a way that the enforcement mechanism is by citizens themselves. And I want to remind your listeners that this is actually not new in American jurisprudence. We've had uh, in our history the Fugitive Slave Act, which was uh, essentially other you know citizens were enforcing. The return of slaves to you know to their enslavers, so you know it's part of that history. This is part of that history.
0: And of course, the other strange thing about all this, in addition to this sort of vigilante justice system of enforcement, it's not like the Supreme Court had briefs and arguments and had a big convoluted, long, traditional process that we would associate with the Supreme Court review. Sort of in the middle of the night, the five of the nine justices kind of said, "Ah, okay." It was like a procedural trick over a a convoluted scheme. It was just sort of done really under cover of darkness almost.
1: That's right. They call it the shadow docket. And the shadow docket does sound pretty shady, doesn't it? (laughs) So, yeah, it was done uh, without uh, oral arguments, without hearing any, uh, reading the briefs. And that's actually what the dissenters were saying, this should require proper review, you know, judicial review. So, you know, it's still being challenged and there are still, you know, opportunities we hope for judicial redress. But I think it's safe to say that the judicial branch, that the options there are really closing off for for the United States. And so we need now to turn to Congress. And there is a bill in front of Congress called the Women's Health Protection Act, that would codify Roe into law. And Speaker Pelosi has indicated that she will bring that bill up for vote um, as soon as uh, Congress reconvenes. And there are the votes in the House to pass it. I'm told that there are 48 of 50 senators that are willing to support it. So there may be opportunity there to really codify what's, you know, women's right uh, to a safe abortion in this country. But we can assume that even if that were to happen, there would still remain challenges.
0: Uh We're talking with Dr. Anu Kumar, who is the president and CEO of the North Carolina-based International Reproductive Health Organization, IPAS, about the recent decision in Texas, the Supreme Court's approval, at least for the time being, of a Texas law that purports to ban abortions after six weeks. Isn't it true, Dr. Kumar, that in many instances, women don't even know that they're pregnant at six weeks, right? So this is going to have a devastating effect on a woman who finds out, oh, at seven weeks, I'm pregnant
1: absolutely that's exactly right and so let me just be clear this is you know 6 weeks again is estimate but exactly a rough but it's also 6 weeks after your last menstrual period which is mm. not the same as 6 weeks pregnant so it is actually a, a matter of days that we're talking about in which a person has to recognize that they're pregnant decide to do something about that pregnancy and act upon it so it's it's very quick and if i could just you know place this in context in terms mm. of you know, we do actually know what happens in these situations that I asked because we work globally. You know, we know what happens in countries where there is this kind of extreme restrictions. So, for example, a complete ban on abortion is in place in Nicaragua, and what it meant there, for you know, in one instance, was that a doctor refused to provide life-saving chemotherapy treatment to a pregnant woman with aggressive cancer. Because he was worried. You know, the doctor was concerned that anything might actually interfere and harm the, the uh, fetus. And that the doctor himself would then be jailed. And so that kind of fear and terror in terms of providers is, all, is a huge worry. We also have an example of El Salvador, where abortion is also banned. And this particular case actually drew international attention, where a woman suffered a miscarriage after a fall, and she was sentenced to 30 years in prison because hospital staff believed that she had intentionally tried to induce an abortion. They essentially called the authorities and, you know, decried her as breaking the law. And I think this is the scenario and situations that we are really worried about now in Texas. If anyone can report a person, then the consequences are going to be extremely dire. And these are not, you know, these are real examples. This is not theoretical. We have seen what happens in places like El Salvador and Nicaragua. Brazil,
0: etc. It's a terrifying scenario. How far do you think the anti-abortion advocates in in the United States intend to go? I mean, should we assume that they basically want to ban all abortions at all times and even perhaps go after the access to contraception? In this country?
1: Absolutely they are nowhere near done. They absolutely wish to ban all abortions. They absolutely wish to do away with contraception. They also are are challenging and interested in challenging gay marriage. Remember, they were very unhappy about gay marriage. And, you know, I just want to make the point that these actions, while they seem to be targeted on, you know, sexual health and reproductive health and rights, they're actually part of a much broader movement related to voting, related to white supremacy. And these restrictions should be seen as part of a broader picture of white supremacy, which really ties everything together. You know, from the insurrection on January 6th on the U.S. Capitol to the racial uprisings and the uptick in anti-abortion legislation, what we see is the harms that are being perpetrated upon Black and brown people in this country. And it's the same actors, the same anti-rights actors that are, you know, acting in each of these issues in each of these instances. Members of these extreme anti-abortion movements are also part of the insurrectionists that attacked the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. And this law in Texas is the latest and most dangerous uh, example.
0: Coming to the end of our time with Dr. Anu Kumar of the International Reproductive Health Organization, IPAS, so Dr. Kumar, what should people do? How should people speak out? How can they help IPASS to fight back against this worrisome trend?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think people need to be really vigilant and aware of what's going on around them and make the connections, you know, make these connections between voting, between anti-racism activities, between you know, anti-rights work that they're doing. I think all of these things need to be connected. Uh, pay attention to what's happening at your local level. Because the local level is always where a lot of this action takes place and a lot of the activism needs to take place. And then, you know, think about it globally. You know, it's Texas today, but it's Turkey tomorrow. So it's like these are big issues. And while we may think of ourselves as, you know, small individuals and working, you know, and living in particular locations, we have a big impact and we need to think about it that way. Of course, I would be remiss if I would, if I didn't say that we would welcome donations to I pass. And please find more information about our work at www.ipas.org.
0: That's ipas.org, ipass.org. Thank you, Dr. Kumar. Hang in there and we'll talk again soon.
1: Thank you so much, Rob. Take care.
0: Coming up next, is online sports gambling the right thing for North Carolina? We'll talk to an expert who says absolutely not. Stay with us.